Would you look at that? Damn, I look good. What's up, everybody? It's me, Stephen Money. It's football season, and I want you to know that you can bet on me, the STN Sports app. So sign up today and get started with me, the local favorite. TickPick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for Vegas Nation and Blue Wire Network. Vegas Nation sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's time for Takeaways with me, Heidi Fang. Welcome, everybody, to the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. It's your host here, Heidi Fang. And today I'm joined with a talent extraordinaire here in Mo Moten, who covers everything uh, Raiders related, NFL featured columnist with Bleacher Report. He's also the co host of Silver and Black Tonight. And you can also find his work where I'm going to get into this article that he has here on Brian Edwards on Vegas sports today.com. First of all, Mo, thank you so much for taking the time today. You're a busy man for putting out all this work and I appreciate you taking the time to join me today. Oh, of course. I always got time to join Heidi to talk Raiders, especially what's going on at this point in the season. Uh, Twitter's buzzing. Social media is buzzing. There's a lot going on. So there's a lot to talk about. Oh yeah, definitely. So, and we're going to get into all of that here on this edition of the takeaways podcast, but I want to remind everybody right now hit subscribe wherever you're listening. And also we are brought to you by station casinos, STN sports, download the mobile app today and get a bonus of up to $100 when you sign up. And we're also presented to you by tick pick on blue wire. All right, Mo, let's get into it here. The Raiders coming off of what was an embarrassing performance on Sunday night football. It was not what they had had hope coming away from a division rival and now the top of the division in the AFC West and the Kansas City Chiefs. Mahomes was able to let's kind of sit back, look around, have a cup of coffee and then throw the football around for 400 yards and five touchdowns, no interceptions, not a lot of pressure except for a couple quarterback hits. I mean, when you look at the performance that happened, what can you really put your finger on about what went wrong in, in this breakdown with this team? Wow, where can I start here? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, the thing that surprised me most, I think, about that game was the defense. And I think that was the worst defensive performance we saw from Gus Bradley's unit all season. Because that was the one thing going into the Chiefs game that I felt like if anything goes wrong, we know the defense is going to be steady. Nope, that didn't happen. And, of course, uh, Travis Kelsey went wild, and it seems like he goes wild against the Rays every time he plays them. But the common theme there was they targeted John Abram a lot. And I know a lot of people were high on him coming in saying that, you know, he plays in the box, plays uh, inside linebacker a little bit. He'll be better. But the Chiefs were able to get matches with him, uh, matched up one-on-one. And, of course, he had that situation where he was mossed by uh, Darrell Williams in the end zone, which is embarrassing. But they singled him out and they were able to uh, get him in matchups and take advantage of, of his coverage issues. Uh, the offensive line, we saw continuous problems. We've seen that beginning of the season start to improve a little bit once they move Alex Leatherwood inside to right guard and put in Brendan Parker at right tackle. But those two guys are two liabilities, to be honest, on the right side of the offensive line. Pre-snap penalties. I believe Alex Leatherwood has six false starts this season. Six. I tweeted that out during the game. Uh, so they had to clean that up. I think Rich Basaccia said they worked on the pre-snap penalties. They worked on the pre-snap uh 
operation and it just it, it just didn't pan out and they're still having problems there so that offensive line along with the penalties allowing pressure on Derek Carr and a lot of people want to put the blame on Derek Carr and I get it um but my my thing with the Derek Carr critics and here's my one of my pet peeves is in previous seasons Derek Carr has taken the sack or thrown the ball away when you know the pressure is bearing down on him and they say why doesn't he just give his receivers a chance to go downfield or try to draw a penalty downfield and just throw it up. And that's what he did against the chiefs when he was pressured. And you saw that a lot. He heaved the ball up and unfortunately intercepted, unfortunately knocked down, didn't make any completions, no penalties. And people saying, well, what is he doing? What is Derek Carr doing? And my thing is, what do you want him to do? You yelled at him for, for taking a sack or throwing away on fourth down and yelling at him for heaving it up, uh, trying to draw a penalty, at least maybe get a pass interference. It didn't happen. Of course, through a pick. Uh, so there's nothing really much he can do. I'm not saying he 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 doesn't deserve any blame. Uh, we we've seen Derek Carr make mistakes, even against the Giants game. He admitted that that was his fault. Uh, didn't have his best game against the Chiefs. wasn't terrible in my opinion. wasn't his best performance, but it was kind of meh, you know. So Derek Carr and I believe that the Raiders team goes as Derek Carr goes. If Derek Carr has a, a good game, the Raiders have a chance of winning. If Derek Carr does not play well, or if he's mediocre, or if he's meh, they're probably going to lose that game because. They don't have they don't have a rushing offense, and that's the other thing. Uh, the ground attack is once once again was a no show. I believe you saw the ground attack all season for the Rays, maybe once or twice. Once with Peyton Barber, uh, Kenyon Drake, and Josh Jacobs had a combined good game here and there, but non-existent run game. So again, you're dependent on Derek Carr that passing attack and the defense holding up their end of the bargain and playing complimentary football, and you just didn't get any of that against the Chiefs. Yeah, you brought up a few things. I'm going to kind of pick apart a little bit of what you said there and and really kind of think what is the next solution. And I'll start off with what you were saying on the right side of the offensive line with Brandon Parker. A lot of people thought Illuminor was playing better in uh, the spot of, of, you know, being on on the line and um, he was in at guard, I believe. So when you had a guy like him that was playing pretty efficiently, you know, and then now you see Brian, um, excuse me, you see Brandon Parker in on the line. Like, would you think that maybe they might think, Hey, let's go back to Illuminor and see if that would help hold up on the line. That may help. Illuminor is a versatile offensive lineman. He has played right tackle. He has played guard. So maybe they do go back to that. But Brandon Parker, to me, was just never the answer. He was the answer maybe in, in stretches and spots here and there, but he's not a guy you want out there playing full-time right tackle. And, and just to be, you know, he was in an earlier draft class coming out, and now he's, a, he's basically a veteran, I believe, coming out yeah. in 2018. And he's still having pre-snap penalties at this point in his career. It's just – you're not going to get much out of him. I, I, don't, I, I didn't think he was going to make the roster, to be honest with you, this year. He made it. I feel like that's because, uh, you know, he's been in the system and knows Tom Cable, so they felt like maybe give him a chance, you know, as a, as a backup. But it, it just hasn't worked out with him. And just for him to be making the same mistakes as a rookie is alarming. And then you go to Abram, who I feel like in essence is really playing like his first official rookie season, (laughs) because when you go back and think about, you know, the injuries that he's had and the lack of play in his first year. And this is kind of, I guess, the first real full season that he's getting under his belt. And you are seeing a lot of uh, not I don't want to say mistakes, but I'd like to see him play up a little bit more aggressive when they 
drafted him, he was meant to be like an alpha dog on the defense. And he was meant to be a guy that could play aggressive. And yeah, I think that it has helped him a little bit to play in the box role with the system that Gus Bradley has. But when you think about some of the things like you were mentioning, like the ball was lofted up on him and he didn't try to make a play on it, you know, like you have to play through the play, even if you think, oh, he's going to catch it and have, you know, you, you got to be able to make a play. Right. So, I mean, when you think about the miscues of Jonathan Abram, what would you think could fix some of what's happened with him in um, the Kansas City game, particularly? I think you just have to keep him close to the line of scrimmage. And I mm-hmm. know, like, sometimes you have to float an extra safety out back just in case you have to have that safety follow the running back, which is what happened there. But coming out of Mississippi State, I mean, coverage was never his strong suit. And, and I felt like now in the NFL with spread offenses and teams trying to spread you out with three wide receivers, sometimes four, your safety, ha- your, both your safeties have to be able to cover to an extent. And John Abram just hasn't progressed in that way. Now, he, he had a pick, I believe, against Denver here. And, you know, he has some moments where he gets a pass breakup. But you don't want John Abram in space one-on-one against a running back, a tight end, a wide receiver. You just have to keep him in the box, like staple him inside, you know, five, six yards from the line of scrimmage, because once he gets out there, out back downfield, he's a liability. And you and you saw that. I believe they tar- the Chiefs targeted him nine times and completed all nine passes to to receivers or pass catchers in those situations. So they picked on him and it, and it worked. And that, again, that's his weakness. And I don't think you're going to be able to fix that. John Abrams not going to all of a sudden become Ed Reed. You just have to play to his strengths. And as you say, he's a thumper, he's an enforcer, closer to the box. But that type of player in today's NFL just doesn't have much value. And I don't think he's going to get his fifth-year option. He'll probably wind up somewhere else sooner or later because yeah. the Raiders need guys who can cover on the back end. I don't I don't see how the Raiders draft all these players and sign all these players and don't have a player to match up with Travis Kelsey in your division. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, that was a big, uh, obvious, you know, thing that the Raiders did not have an answer for was Travis Kelsey in this past game. But I was thinking, is it more problematic, you know, that in pass coverage situations to Titans that, you know, they really need somebody that can play that position just generally, not even Travis Kelsey, just generally well. I mean, uh, I'm just trying to think of how does this team rebound, whether it's in defense or offense versus Casey, you know, the everything that happened there was I think could set a blueprint for what happens down the season. A lot of people keep talking about the regression of the Raiders. And have we seen this before? Is this another team that had a winning record that goes down the back half of the season and loses? You've seen those six and three teams. A lot of people are talking about it. How does this team prevent that? Well, two things I just really quick. I want to touch on the Travis Kelsey point that you made. And what I want to, what I want to say is where is Corey Littleton? That was supposed to be his role. He was supposed to be the tight end stopper, the tight end coverer. That was why they brought him on. He was, he was looked at as one of the best coverage linebackers when he was with the Rams, and you're just not seeing that right now with the Raiders. Now, you hope Nicholas Morrow comes back. Maybe he can help you in that area. He has a background as a safety. He had a, he had a pretty good year last year, but, of course, he's hurt. He's on the way back. Maybe that helps them down the line when they play Casey again. Who knows? But as far as the Raiders and their trends, and, and, and now the hashtag is out the November nosedive, yeah, and I, I think I think this year. I, I at first I said this year would be different because I believe this team is better than it was last year, the year before 2019. They have a, obviously have a better defense. They didn't show it against the Chiefs, 
but they have a pass rush now with Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe and the guys inside. They have a pass rush. They have a solid slot corner in Nate Hobbs. They have Casey Hayward on the outside. Trayvon Mullen, you hope, is going to be back. I believe Rich Passage said he'll be back December 5th against Wash- against the Washington football team. Uh, Brandon Facing got picked on against the Chiefs. Uh, yes. So they, they're going to need someone in there for him, and it, they're going to need Mullen. So I think as guys come back, you'll see a much, you'll see much better defensive effort, much better defensive performance. But as far as like the class, everyone's worried about the class and they're thinking, oh, it's going to happen again because it, they're already on a two-game skid. Here it is, on time, on cue. I will stay paused a little bit. I said that this three-game stretch is going to be a defining uh, stretch for the Raiders this season. Uh, I'm talking about KC, the, the Bengals coming up Sunday, and then afterward you have Dallas on Thanksgiving. I, I said that that's going to be the stretch that defines their season. If they go one and two and lose all three of those games, cash money done. The season's over. <laughs> you're you're going to fall to five and five. You're going to have maybe five and six, six and five, and you still have tough games left because the Browns and the Colts on the back end, those two teams, physical, run-heavy teams. And what's the Raiders' uh, biggest weakness on defense? Their run defense. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really too optimistic about their matchup. They just don't match up against those two teams. And I'm not going to mark those down as losses automatically, but when you look at that, you're saying, okay, we're going to have to win some games early because if we drop a, a game in Cleveland in the cold, we drop a game to the Colts and, and Jonathan Taylor right now is tied with Derrick Henry for most rushing yards in the league. That's how good he's playing right now. You're going to have to win some of those early games. You're going to have to beat the Bengals at home. You might have to steal a game against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving in their building. You're, you're going to have to come back and beat the Chiefs in our head. So they're going to have to steal some games. They're going to have to win some games that people think they're going to lose. Do I think that, again, do I think this team is going to collapse? It's, it's quite possible the way the schedule is set up. But I'll say this. If they can beat the Bengals Sunday, and then, you know, you, you have the Cowboys game, which is going to be tough, but then you have the Washington football team out there. If you can win two of the next three, there's a chance they could pull themselves out of this, with, as I said, with players coming back. If Derek Carr gets back on his role, as he, as he looked at the beginning of the season, you have a chance to end the skid and end the November nosedive. All right. We're going to take a break right there because I'm going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit about what Carr can do and what weapons may be coming back when we come back here from this quick break. (laughs) Would you look at that? Damn, I look good. What's up, everybody? It's me, Stephen Money. It's football season, and I want you to know that you can bet on me, the STN Sports app. So sign up today and get started with me, the local favorite. Raiders football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Raiders tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Now led under interim head coach Rich Bisaccia, everyone's going to want to see how the Raiders season continues to unfold and if they are in fact a playoff bound team. That's why you've got to visit TickPick.com slash Vegas Nation today to save $10 on your first order of Raiders tickets. 
Anytime you, you, you ride the roller coaster of, of wins and losses, it, it's a challenge to all of us, coaches, players, fans, right? It's a challenge to everybody. But again, uh, we're five and four, and I think we're, we're, we're about the same way as everybody else in the AFC, except for maybe three teams, you know? So um, you can't get too high off of a win because then that lasts too long and you end up getting stuck to you. And if you stay down too long after a loss, then does, does that multiply into more and more and more losses? So um, I think. We try to treat them both as imposters the best we can. Um, it's how you go about the, the rhythm or the routine of the week when you come off of a win and you come off of a loss to try to treat them the same. We address, you know, a lot of people win games and they kind of go by a lot of things quick. Well, what did we do well that helped us win the game? And then when you come off of a loss, you kind of look at the same things. We try to look at some of the, what we do with the ball, what we do with explosive plays, how we play with field position, what the fourth quarter look like. And then you can kind of equate the win and the loss almost in the same ways. I think if you just try to put blame on one particular thing, it ends up being a side street um, to a solution. And, and we, we try not to do that. Welcome back to the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. It's Heidi Fang here, and I'm joined with Mo Moten. He writes for Bleacher Report as a columnist. He's on Vegas Sports Today as well, and you can hear him as a co-host on Silver and Black tonight. All right, so let's get into it here, Mo. You talked a little bit about Derek Carr and the fact that you know he can play down the stretch, lead this team, but... Um, the run game we talked about a little bit earlier, and now you have some major injuries. Alec Ingold is gone. They are a team that deploys their fullback in a lot of different type formations. And then Jalen Richard is day to day with some rib injuries. So I'm wondering, you brought up Peyton Barber's name and said that he was one of those sparks that had a hundred yard game. Is he somebody that you think that this team could bring back into the mix here and have success with against other teams? I, I think at this point it's worth a shot, right? It can't hurt, yeah. but I, I think as far as Ray's run game is concerned, it's going to have to start with Josh Jacobs and, and Kenyon Drake. I mean, Josh Jacobs was your first round pick in 2019. You brought in Kenyon Drake for two years, 11 million, 8.5 guarantee. It becomes guaranteed, I believe, the third day of the, of the season next year. Those two guys have to lead the way, but you also your offensive lines we talked about earlier has to, has to play up to par if that's going to happen. So Alex Leatherwood has to improve. Brandon Parker has to, has to tighten up with his penalties. Uh, Andre James has actually improved over time. John Simpson is an is a okay starter. And, of course, you have Colt Mill on the left side. So that offensive line, we talked about gelling at the beginning of the season. Now it has to come together because Jacobs doesn't have a lot of room to run. I believe he mentioned that early in the season where sometimes he's like, you know, where do you want me to run? A lot of people are coming down on him because he's not as good as this year as he was in his previous years. But you, you got to remember it's a joint effort. If your offensive line is not blocking well, now you lose your fullback for the season who's your lead blocker on those run plays. Uh, it's going to be tough. So the Raiders are going to have to work with a, a basically a one-dimensional offense where they're going to, again, have to rely heavily on the passing game. Yeah, and then that passing game, you wrote an article, it's on VegasSportsToday.com, about Brian Edwards and what he's been able to do for this team, that he's kind of shown flashes, that he's coming on and into his own. But uh, the consistency in which he's used, I think is what you were kind of focusing on as something that they need to find with him. So can you break down a little bit more out of what you've seen with Brian Edwards and how they can get that consistency going? Well, what you see from him is that he'll, he'll go through three quarters and have zero catches. And by the end of the game, he's got, you know, 
three catches for 85 yards. <laughs> He's one of those guys. He just pops up and has a big play. And I think what the Raiders need from him is a more down, down consistent playmaker. And, but what I mean by that is that when the Raiders played the Chiefs last Sunday, right, they were one for nine on third downs. So who is their guy they're going to go to on third down when Hunter Renfro is not on? When, when, the, when the defense is focused on Hunter Renfro because he is third in Renfro and they try to cover him and they have their best guy on him, he can't break free. Who is the guy on the perimeter? Because Hunter Renfro operates primarily from the slot. Who is the guy on the outside that you're going to depend on to get that first down? And it should have been Brian Edwards. He has the big body frame, 6'3", 212. Uh, wins the 50-50 balls, as a, as a bunch of people have said. He's physical. He can box out, box out defenders to get those catches. He'll attack the football. So that's the guy I think that needs to step up on third downs when it's not Hunter Renfro. Because to me, I, I hate to say this, and I like the guy, but Zay Jones just ain't it. Zay Jones will give you one big catch a game, and that's about it. Deshaun Jackson is not up to speed yet. He played 17% of the snaps against the Chiefs. He's not ready. So if it's not Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller is getting double covered, someone else has to step up. And I think that has to be Brian Edwards because the Raiders had high hopes of, for him coming out of South Carolina. They, they had a first round grade on him. A lot of other teams did as well. Unfortunately, he had some injury issues so that knocked him down the board a little bit. So he slipped to the Raiders in the third round. But they looked at him as he's going to be our starter. And this is at the time when Terrell Williams was playing for the Raiders. It was like, he's going to be Terrell Williams' successor. He's going to be our starter with Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs is no longer... And now you have Ryan Edwards who's there. Now, I think he could take some steps in the second half of the season and potentially break out. But again, him and Derek Carr have to establish some consistency. Derek Carr talked about how he trusted Brian Edwards, he, how he compared him to Devontae Adams in his, in his rookie year. Now, I felt like that was a bit too early for him to contribute, yes, because of the COVID year. He was coming off of an injury. I believe he had a broken foot. Uh, but now he's showing flashes. So if Derek Carr trusts him, and that connection is what it's supposed to be, he should be a more consistent playmaker and that can help that, that passing attack be more consistent. They're the number two passing attack in the league. Now you have to depend on it to move the ball. Brian Edwards has to step up. Yeah. And, you know, Carr is still up there when you think about it, things like in terms of um, the, the passing yards, the passer rating, the amount of touchdowns that he's had. But when you think about where he is now, uh, how do you kind of rate him going through the season and what does he really need to do to, um, you know, create, let's just start with third down, for instance, third down in this past game was one for nine. How do they get this offense really moving? And how does Carr facilitate that at his role? Yeah, you throw a landmine at me right there. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we can Twitter. still freeze it. Let me go get my, uh, you know, what's that nitrogen spray. I'll hold it down for you. Yeah. Man. Raiders 2 is not very happy with Derek Carr right now. I, I would have him exactly where I had him before the season started, and that's right outside the top 10. I know a lot of people are going to scream at me for that, but I just want to read off a, couple, a few names, well, not a few, several names. Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, uh, Justin Herbert, Carson Wentz, who has 17 touchdowns, three picks. I know Stafford hasn't played well the last two games, but he has 24 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Kirk Cousins has 18 touchdowns and two picks. I believe Derek Carr is at 15 touchdowns and eight interceptions. So okay. you tell me if Derek Carr is better than any of those names. And I just rattled off 10 right there. So I'm just saying, I understand Derek Carr is the reason why this team started off 3-0 because they had to rely on him heavily because, again, no run game and, and started off slow. 
his heroics are the reason why the Raiders started off impressive. But if you're looking at the totality of the season right now, up to nine games through, I still think he's outside the top 10 compared to the names I just read off. And I didn't even mention Russell Wilson who's been hurt. And I'm sure Russell Wilson's going to heat up eventually. But as far as that offense and how does it get going, I, I think I honestly think Deshaun Jackson is going to make an impact. I was huge on the Raiders getting Deshaun Jackson over, over, over uh, OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr., only because I felt like with OBJ, he has uh, shoulder issues that are probably he's probably going to have to have surgery on both his shoulders in the offseason. So I was a little concerned about that. And also Deshaun Jackson kind of fits more, matches more of what Henry Ruggs brought to that offense, where he doesn't need a whole bunch of targets, a whole bunch of catches. He can get you three, four catches a game, but he stretches the field, get you 100 yards on, you know, again, three, four grabs. And I think that's who Deshaun Jackson is. I think the comparison, if you're going to compare Henry Ruggs to anyone, it would be Deshaun Jackson. Now, he's got to make better decisions with the football. You can't – all he had to do was run straight. He, he could have had – maybe had a touchdown on that play, but he tries to juke a defender and then he fumbles. He's a veteran. He gets it. He'll make better plays. He'll make better decisions down the stretch. So I think as he becomes more acclimated with the offense, the Rays will be able to do more things with him because you did see it briefly when they put him on the field. Uh, they were able to open up the middle of the field. And I think Derek Carr made a big completion. And then Brian Edwards scored a touchdown on the following play. So I think you're going to see more of that as time goes on, as Deshaun Jackson gets used to the playbook. And the other thing I just mentioned with Brian Edwards, Derek Carr, I understand Greg Olson calls the plays. He's the offensive coordinator, but Derek Carr is on the field. He can audible. He decides where the ball goes. I think he has to work on that connection with Brian Edwards more. And as I said, he's, he's mentioned it in back-to-back off-seasons. The last two off-seasons, he talked about how he trusts Brian Edwards so much. Well, okay, show it outside of the fourth quarter. Don't wait till the fourth quarter to get him involved. Get him involved early. Get him into the flow of the game because there's some wide receivers out there. If you leave him out on an island and you don't go to them, they get cold. Get him involved early. Get him involved frequently so that you have that option so you have him warmed up. So just in case, again, if Darren Waller is double, double covered, if Hunter Renfro is not on, you have Brian Edwards, who's reliable. And then you have eventually, as, as I said, as Deshaun Jackson picks up the offense, he'll become a factor. So I think it comes with time. Of course, Rays don't have that much time right now because they're fighting for a playoff spot. But I think it'll come if Derek Carr goes to the right players and, and just establishes some consistency with his receivers, particularly Brian Edwards and Deshaun Jackson as he gets acclimated to, into the offense. For sure. And I think, like you said, that, that it will be a factor in this coming game. They have the Bengals up ahead here at home in Allegiant Stadium. And when you think about just the challenge that is presented there, what's interesting to me about this matchup is both of these teams had 41 scored against them in their last outing. But <laughs> the difference is, is that the Bengals have had a bye week to kind of reconfigure themselves and, and make the adjustments and also get healthy. So when you think about that challenge ahead, what do you see out of the Bengals that makes a, a fortuitous matchup for the Raiders? Uh, biggest challenge I think is going to be stopping Joe Mixon. Now I know, I know the Bengals don't have their, their rushing attack, I believe is ranked 24th because it mm-hmm. kind of their offense runs through, let's be honest, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T Higgins. But I think they're going to give the ball to Joe Mixon 20 times because they understand that the Raiders defense has struggled. So I think he's going to be a big problem for the Raiders team. Um, sometimes Joe Burrow will throw to their tight end Uzama. Uh, if they can't, if, if he looks like Travis Kelsey on Sunday, 
the Raiders have a problem. And, and it makes me question the Corey Littleton pickup even more because it's like, again, this is what you brought him in for. If Uzama has a big game, then I, I don't know what that signing, what that signing did for the defense. But uh, again, I think the biggest thing to look at is Joe Mixon. If he goes off for a hundred plus yards, the Raiders probably don't win that game because then you have Jamar Chase on the outside, and then the Bengals will be able to control the tempo of the game with Jamar Chase, uh, Jamar Chase, with Joe Mixon in the run game. So it, it's a it's a it's a tough situation. Of course, as I mentioned early on the outside with Brandon Faison, Trayvon Mullen's not coming back. So you wonder, uh, T. Higgins, is he gonna have a big game on the outside? So now you have some defensive issues there. I I, I think it's gonna be a high scoring game. The Rays are gonna have to win a shootout. Um, so their car has to be on. So consistency again is, is a big issue with the Raiders in their offense, and their defense. If they can get pressure though, it, they can even the playing field and, and possibly win the game. Well, there you have it from Mo Moten. Mo, I really appreciate you taking the time here to join me today. Let everybody know, first of all, where they can find you on social media and what to look out for from you. What kind of articles do you have coming out or when's the next show? You got so much going on, man. <laughs> Mo Moten on Twitter, if you want to argue with me about Derek Carr, anything Raiders, <laughs> or anything football. <laughs> I can't promise that I'll answer you because sometimes a Derek Carr debates can be fatiguing, but you can give it a try at Mo Moten on Twitter. Uh, Bleach Report, I have I have an article dropping soon on just basically um, what teams could be looking forward to in the next offseason, teams that may be looking for a new head coach. So, of course, the Raiders have an interim. A lot of people have been asking me, who, who do you like as a possible head coaching candidate for the Raiders? I, I told them to pause a little bit. Let's see what the Raiders do because they might still keep Basaccia, but if they move on, look out for that article because there will be some good suggestions on there. Uh, Vegas sports today. I'll be looking at what the Raiders do against the Bengals. And I'll tell you basically if this November nosedive is here to stay or will the Raiders turn it around after that Bengals game, I'll have a better idea where the Raiders are headed. Uh, Silver and black today show coming up on Friday. We're going to talk to Solomon Wilcox. He's going to talk to us about the Bengals and some of their strengths and weaknesses. And I can share on social media what the Raiders can do to possibly pull out the win. I love Solomon Wilcox, by the way. Uh, <laughs> had some time I used to work with him back at uh, Sirius XM when I was there. So I always appreciate hearing from him. He's a great guy, uh, fantastic at analysis and breaking things down. So uh, also love what you do on Twitter because every time I'm looking <laughs> up, it's like you got you got some kind of quote retweet going on. You're out there talking with Raider Nation, uh, always approachable and always willing to give honest answers, whether you like it or not. <laughs> That's Mo Moten. <laughs> I appreciate your time. I'm, I'm the bad guy on Twitter sometimes. So I'm the bad guy on Twitter sometimes. So I appreciate you letting me on and letting me voice my opinion on here without attacking me. It's, it's It feels great. <laughs> and on that note, I'll leave you with the Scarface goodbye and say the bad guy's leaving. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate you, Heidi. I appreciate you. Really I appreciate do. you coming on so much, Mo. And have yourself a great day. Uh, thank you for the time. Again, that was Mo Moten, Bleacher Report columnist, as well as being on Vegas Sports Today and with the show Silver and Black Tonight. Check him out on Twitter at Mo Moten, like he said. And that'll do it for the show today. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Check out all of our great content and everything you need to know about the Raiders on VegasNation.com. And I'll be back next week. Would you look at that? Damn, I look good. What's up, everybody? It's me, Stephen Money. 
It's football season, and I want you to know that you can bet on me, the STN Sports app. So sign up today and get started with me, the local favorite.